us in, but as we see what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, uh, he becomes the big luminary in our life, uh, the big event in our life. And so we're going out here and we're saying, listen, the world doesn't attract me like it used to attract me. Uh, I, I, I'm not interested in those things anymore. And the world reciprocates by saying this, I'm not interested in you anymore either. It's a mutual disinterest. The world doesn't have the attraction and they're not attracted to you either. This is what happened to Abraham. Abraham finally said, he finally moved from, from I surrender some to I surrendered what? All. And boy, when you do that, things really change. And then you can step out and walk in the will of God for your life. Let's look quickly here this morning to a few points of Abraham's promise, okay? He said, I'm going to make you a great nation. He said, it's going to be so great that it's going to be like the dust of the earth. Look over to chapter 13, verse number 16, right across the page. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. You're going to have all kind of children, so many, that it's going to be like the dust of the earth. Now, the earth has a lot of dust, doesn't it? That's a lot of descendants. Then he said something else. Look over to chapter 15, please, verse 5. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward the heaven and count the stars, if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. So God says, listen, Abraham, your, your descendants are going to be like the dust of the earth and the stars of heaven. How many times have you looked up into the sky and, and uh, if there's just a few stars out, you start to count them, one, two, three, four, five, not many stars out tonight. But then on the other hand, there are those starry nights that you say, okay, I quit. I can't do that. That's what God's saying to Abraham. Abraham, in the Middle East, probably the, the, the sky looks like this. And he says, see all those stars? Your descendants are going to be like that. And again, he said, okay, Lot, Sarah, me. I don't know how that's going to happen. God says, just trust me, Abraham, it's going to happen. How did it happen? Well, first of all, God made the nation of Israel a witness in the world. The world was a very dark place. You know, we think our world is dark today. It was darker then. It really was. Uh, there were very few people serving God at that time. And so God spoke to Abraham and said, listen, Abraham, I'm going to make you a nation. And that nation is going to be a witness for me in the world. Now, that's what America has been in the world, a witness. But I know that you know that other countries are sending missionaries to America now to come and evangelize America. He says, I'm going to make you a witness in the world, and that's in Isaiah chapter 43, and they were. Uh, and they did attract people, and people were converted to Judaism because that's what people were converted to then, Judaism. Uh, the faith in one true God. And so Abraham's seed is beginning to grow. 
He said, I'm going to make, I'm going to bless you. Your name's going to be great and you're going to be a blessing. Uh, Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says this. Well, let's read this. That the blessing of Abram might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. God says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And you and I are living proof today that God blessed Abraham. Because this was the blessing of Abraham, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In other words, we might be saved. That was the blessing to Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to produce in your life a salvation stream that's going to run down through history. And it's going to affect people like the stars of the sky and like the sand of the sea. And here we are in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And we are part of that stream, the blessing of Abraham. And the really neat thing about it is, is that Abraham followed God by faith and God honored his faith. And you and I are living proof sitting here today that God blessed Abraham. And then he says, I'm going to bless those who bless you. And, and I think this teaching is right, that whenever a nation or a people blesses the nation of Israel, God will bless them. But when a nation curses Israel, like we see all around the world going on today, God will curse them. That's what he says right here in Genesis chapter 12. So it's a good thing to be on the right side. And the right side is to be a blessing to the nation of Israel. And I know that we're going to get a chance to do that. And then he says, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Um, just think of that. The stars of the sky and uh, the dust of the ground. That's what I'm going to do for you, Abraham. Now, I'm sure that Abraham couldn't fathom that at that time. But will you turn with me this morning to Revelation chapter 7 in your Bible? Revelation chapter 7. I want to show you here the, the culmination of it all, the blessing of Abraham. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number. Remember, that's what God said. You can't number the stars of the sky. Now here we find in Revelation a picture of heaven. A great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. One of these days in heaven, there's going to be such a number that no one can count of believers around the throne of God. And God made that promise to Abraham. The stars of the sky, the dust of the ground. Uh, and you and I are just a little star, or rather a little piece of dust, if you will, uh, that make up this grand company 
of people who have embraced the God of eternity through the Lord Jesus Christ. Martin Luther said one time that this promise in you, all the families of the earth should be blessed, should be written in gold letters and should be extolled in the language of all the people. And it is today through the missionaries. Missionaries are going to every land saying, listen, God loves you. The promise of Abraham is to see your salvation. But you know, I think oftentimes we think of Abraham, how did he ever, how did God use one person so dramatically? Here he is, he's in a dark world. How did he ever get out of it? Well, Abraham's faith. How do people get out of darkness today? How can people know what the truth is? They must be confronted by God. Today, like Abraham was, God spoke to them. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The unsaved person doesn't understand. How many times have you gone to somebody and you kind of like were pouring out your heart and it was like you were talking to the wall? They didn't get it. The Bible says they can't get it. They can't get it. And then you ask yourself, how people come to me every now and then they say, you know, where I work, the people are so lost. They're just so lost. How many people have had that experience? Raise your hand. A lot of you. They're so lost. Learn, turn with me to Romans chapter 3, right after the book of Acts. Romans chapter 3. I'd like to just quickly show you something here. Paul is talking about the lost condition of, uh, of humanity. And his premise is found in Romans chapter 3, verse 10. It says this, there is none righteous, no, not one. That means there's no one right with God, not one. And then he goes on to support his premise. Look at it. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. When's the last time you ask anybody, you probably never ask anybody, are you seeking God? They would probably say, that's the last thing on my to-do list. I, that's what the Bible says here. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have to, together become unprofitable. The word unprofitable there is an interesting word. It means rotten fruit. It's like you going to the refrigerator and uh, you thought you had that great peach in the back that you were like... You just had to have it at that particular time and you reached back there and, and you found it and it wasn't ready to be eaten. It was rotten fruit. The Bible says here they have together become rotten fruit. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace of they have not known, and there is no fear of God before their eyes. This is a picture of humanity, 
And in my Bible, all those verses which I just read for you are in italics. And what that means is all those verses are taken out of the Old Testament. Human nature doesn't change. People were lost in the Old Testament. They are lost in the New Testament. They were lost then. They are lost now. Warren Wearsby said that that is like an x-ray vision of a person from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. They are lost all the way through. Uh, how can God reach a person like that? We say that he can reach a person like that through revelation. Abraham was down here and he was lost. There is none righteous, no, not one. Abraham was not seeking God, but God was seeking Abraham. And so God revealed himself to Abraham, and Abraham responded in the right way by faith. And what that means is he believed in God, and he obeyed what God wanted him to do. And that opened his whole life to an experience with God. God speaks in our world in many ways. He speaks through nature. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament, the shows his handiwork. He speaks through the prophets of old in the Old Testament. He spoke through visions and dreams and he spoke through Christ. And now he speaks to us through his word. And you and I are propagators, dispensers of the word of God. Everywhere you go this week, you have a chance, if you'll take it, to drop a word about the Lord. You have a chance. You have an opportunity. You are a seed planter. Uh, how will people come out of their darkness? They will come out of their darkness when they are confronted with the light, the truth. And uh, probably the most important verse in the Old Testament is found in Genesis 15. I want to show you this verse 6. God appeared to him and said, listen, your descendants are going to be like the stars. And, he, and the Bible says he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Abraham, if you will, was saved by faith. The only way that anybody has ever been saved is by faith, not by works. And so our message in the world is that. Abraham was saved by faith. He believed in the Lord. That was his faith. And God then accounted it to him for righteousness. The word accounted there is is a financial term, it's a, in a legal setting, and it means to take something that belongs to someone and transfer it into another account. It's a one-sided transaction. People in the world have this idea, well, I'll do this for God and then God will do this. Not for salvation. We can't do anything to get salvation. Whenever we believe and obey the Lord Jesus Christ, God accounts his righteousness over into our account. Our account says this, there is none righteous, no, not one. One day, when we are saved, that is erased. And God takes his righteousness and says this, they are right with me now. I declare them righteous by their faith. We are saved by simple faith in Jesus Christ, not by works. 
not by any performance that we can put on for the Lord. The word righteous means to be set right with God. And so when Abraham believed God, uh, God, said, God says, okay, you're right with me now. And that's what happens in our salvation. We are saved, we are secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's hard for us to understand such a tremendous gift, the gift of salvation, isn't it? Because we live in this work society and we think, well, you know, I have to work to do this and I have to work to do that. But listen, you can't work to be saved because all the work was done by Jesus Christ upon the cross. There's nothing that you could ever add to salvation or take away from it. Jesus has purchased salvation for you and all you do is believe him and receive him as your savior by faith and faith alone. Well, his faith was challenged. He stepped out on faith and he found out, you know, if I'm gonna go the next distance with God in my pilgrimage, it's gonna be a life of faith. And I've said this before, Sometimes it's easier to be born again by faith than it is to live the daily Christian life by faith. Because once you know the story and the importance of what it is to be born again, you, people usually say, okay, count me in. <laughs> I, want, I want on. <laughs> Don't let this boat leave without me. But you know, then, when, then, we, then we follow the Lord and we start having to make decisions by faith. That's harder. It was for me, and it is for me. Well, Abraham set out, and his faith was tested. The Canaanites were in the land, uh, and he pitched his tent. And his tent was a picture of the fact that his life on this earth was, was only temporary. It was, um, he wasn't going to depend too much on what he could build here because he was just passing through. And so I know that you know that this is a picture of our life too. Some of our tent pegs are coming up out of the ground already, aren't they? The tent, tent's kind of leaning. Uh, this is a picture of our life. We're only pilgrims. Uh, but he lived uh, also with an altar. He built an altar, the Bible says. And this is good, and these two symbols symbolize our walk by faith. You know, if we can keep our head on the Lord and realize that we're looking for something that this world can't offer us, we're looking for heaven, and we just have a tent down here, and one of these days somebody will take our tent and fold it up and put it away, and our time on earth will be done. Uh, but as we walk through this world, he is building us, uh, he, what he did is he built an altar and he worshiped the Lord. And so I'm here today to tell you that that's as good as it gets in this world. That's as good as it gets. This world has uh, nothing for us, really. We are only pilgrims passing through. But the joy of it all is to be able to really worship God, not the things that the world has, because they're all temporary, they're all transient, uh, there's no substance to them. They're not for real. They're not for real. But whenever we have a relationship with God, that's for real. That's for real. And so this altar and this tent took him the rest of the, his life 
as a believer. And if you will approach your life like that, and I will approach my life like that, we're going to have the best life that God wants for us. Don't build too many monuments. Just be satisfied with a tent, okay? Because one day somebody will put it away. Uh, and be sure to have your altar to worship the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer. You know, it's amazing to me what one person listening to God, uh, walking by faith, what an impact he could have. And you know, we look at the life of Abraham and, and we say to ourselves, you know, my life is so insignificant compared to his, but it really isn't. You know, he did what God wanted him to do and God just wants you to do what he wants you to do. And your life can have impact too because you know the decisions that we make today are not just for us, they're for our descendants. Fathers, mothers, your decisions are impacting your kids. And when God called Abraham, he said, listen, I'm going to give this land to you and your descendants. And so Isaac got that promise and Jacob got that promise. And you just look at all the people that are coming behind you. Listen, the decisions you make are not only for you, but they are for them. How will your kids know how to walk with God unless you do, unless you walk for God? How will your kids know how to respond to the world unless they see how you respond to the world. Your decisions have enormous impact. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word and how we see a man of faith in another, in another generation uh, walking for you and making his life through this world simply with a tent and his altar. We pray that we will do likewise. We will look at our life like that too. Lord, help us as we walk by faith through this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together as we sing our concluding song this morning. And as we sing together, if you'd like to come and kneel here and pray about anything that's going on in your life or the life of a friend, you feel free to, free to do that right now, okay?
said? Amen. Well, I hope you were encouraged today to go out and get your tent, keep your altar going, keep the fire stoked in your altar.